a lawnmower requires a certain level of structural capability that you don't need in a pooper scooper. Hello and welcome to episode number 51 of Grumpy Old Ben's. Yeah, we made it past 50. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the politics sucks, but hey, the food's pretty good. And from America's left coast, where we're having a buy one, get one free sale on laws for billionaires today. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Oh, did you buy one then? I sadly can't afford the premium. Oh, you're not a billionaire. I mean, you work for Microsoft. So, I mean, I thought you were like, uh, it, you know, as much as I expected after 51 episodes that grumpy old Ben would be bringing in billionaire dollars, it, <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. Are there billionaire podcasters? I don't even think Joe Rogan's hit that level yet. Well, if there are, they're not doing it. They're not getting it podcasting. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they would be doing it. I mean, they get the, uh, the big ad money on the side. Once you're Joe Rogan, I mean, you could probably go and sell you know like depends or like reverse mortgages or stuff like that on the side i I mean if if jeff bezos started a podcast then then he could be a billionaire podcaster but that's not how he's going to make his money no i think he's already made it doing this other little retail stuff but hey Uh, uh, yes because because privacy sells (laughs) does it though does it really sell and uh i mean there is we can Maybe start right off the bat with that, since you know we have the Bezos thing going. Uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about today was it, it's something that I'm torn on as somebody that does take uh, prescription medication. That going to the pharmacy, you addict. I know. Every thirty days, one. It, I would say it's n- not a pain in the ass because it's at the grocery store, and you're going to get groceries anyway. But for some reason, even though with our local grocer pharmacist that I've been getting the same prescription filled for years, almost every time when I click to renew, and usually you think to renew like, oh, I'm going today to the grocery store, so I'll renew and I'll go pick it up. Almost every time it's one of the the two medications I get, well, they're not in stock, so we should have it by tomorrow. At what? It's like, really? You don't have an algorithm in your system that says this Jamoke gets the same thing every 30 days. Maybe you would have it in stock. That's too much. To well, the dark for. secret, the dark secret to these smart algorithms is that most of them are actually pretty dumb. It would appear so. But as as a programmer, let me tell you something about programmers. And that is uh, we're lazy. We always do the minimum amount of effort. And if. Nobody is specifically telling us that we need to make certain that Darano's prescription is filled, then that's not on the requirements list. Not even if we accidentally code it up, no one's going to test it. Probably won't work. Kind of seems that way. But on the other hand, I mean, I know there are through the mail pharmacies and the the uh, you know the plans, your insurance plan, they recommend theirs. But now and I'm kind of freaked out by it and kind of not because I understand the data grab portion of it. Amazon 
has pharmacy services. And not only do they have pharmacy services, they're giving the hard sell on it. Because when you go to Amazon now, it seems like every page you go to, there's a banner for Amazon Pharmacy. And I'm torn because, I mean, my thing is pretty easy. I mean, I take a couple vitamins. You know, there's an A-Reds thing for the eye vitamin, which I've been taking. And, you know, otherwise, it's just the normal vitamins. Does, Does Adderall count as a vitamin? Yeah, I think so. For some people. Okay. But the nice thing is people, they they pop oxy like vitamins, right? The nice thing is the company that Amazon has purchased. I guess I should have done a little more homework, but I'm assuming they purchased this company that does the pill pack concept. And this is something for, you know, the more people that are more elderly. So if you're worried that your parents, your grandparents, whoever aren't necessarily taking the medication at the right time, and it's always hard. I mean, my grandmother had dementia and before she was bad enough to where she had to go into a nursing home you it would it didn't it didn't matter you could call her up at noon and she could have taken her pills five minutes ago and you'd be like did you take your pills she wouldn't know and the nice thing is with this pill pack concept which when i first thought i'm like this is genius if you have somebody that takes pills say three times a day it gives you three packs with the proper medication in each one and it tells you the day and time that it's supposed to be taken. And I think that's a great thing for certain people. You know, this isn't a new innovation. Uh, I mean, you can you can get out a mortar and pestle and compound your medications. And that, that's been going on for hundreds of years. They're like, I need to take these pills at this time. Well, I don't know about hundreds. In the 1600s, do you think that people had prescription pills that they had to take at a certain time? That might be that might be a side discussion for another episode. I mean, there may have, but they certainly didn't have a company that could put them in a little watertight package that you just ripped open when you needed it with the time and date that you needed to take it on the package. So, yeah, people have been well, medicating for a long time. So, so my cat, who had takes more medications than I do because he's old and he's grumpy, uh, it, it's perfect for the cat. Um he has four medications and he has to take uh, like a full of one of them and half of three others in the evening. And then in the morning has to take a half of one and a full of a different one. And um, I remember talking to the vet and saying, well, this is, this is complicated, you know, can it, and, and of course, you know, getting a cat to eat a pill is impossible. So we use a mortar and pestle and crush it up and sprinkle it over wet cat food well the vet offered a service that said well what we can do is we can just create uh you know chicken or fish flavored pills that contain the proper dosage so you just give the cat a pill that they'll eat twice a day yummy Uh, this sounds (laughs) you know it never occurred to me to try the pills myself (laughs) but this sounds a little bit like what you're suggesting is I'm just thinking that, you know, coming up with custom packages for pills. Um, I don't know. Maybe there should be an app for that. Where, where's the Silicon Valley startup that lets you connect to the internet and, and automatically download your pills while uploading all of your personal data. That's kind of what Amazon's doing though. Now I believe, I mean, they're not making the pills, but I get it. I mean, there are pharmacies that want your business. The pharmacy here that we've been using 
there are some drugs, including some basic antibiotics and uh, metformin and a few other that they're like, hey, if you're on this, always free, no matter what. You don't even need insurance. It's always free. So they're, for some reason, they want to push that. They're getting compensated in some way, shape, or form, which is why when Amazon or anybody, when the, this original pill pack concept came about, they also were pushing it as, this isn't something you have to pay for. You're paying for your drugs anyway. This is just an extra added service. So you start asking the question again, then, well, why are you willing to provide this extra service for free? Is it just because it costs literally next to nothing to put all of your drugs into individual packs per day? No, and no, because because we know from lots of industries like like soda drinks and and MLB that just because something has a zero marginal cost doesn't mean somebody's not going to overcharge you for it. No, you're you you say it's free. It's not free. You are paying with your personal privacy, as always. Well, it's either the privacy or the cost of the prescriptions, and they may be making enough on the prescriptions to make this worthwhile. But yes, that's the big question then is, is this a bigger privacy concern? And then I start thinking about this. It's like, well, okay, the grocery store we're going to now, Meyer or Walmart or Walmart, yeah, does prescriptions too, Walgreens, CVS. Does it really matter which of these big, huge conglomerates have access to your prescription data does it really matter uh not if hipaa is actually enforceable you're, you're familiar with hipaa yes the the thing that yeah. says you can't diverge anything about health information yeah and now admittedly whenever you I interact with one of these companies they'll be like here's the 12 page contract that you need to sign before you can stand in line and you'd be like oh, okay fine give, give me a fucking pen because i'm not going to read this so I, I mean you might be signing away all your rights anyway but i does it matter which one um probably but how can you tell right what i want to know though is uh and, and you know amazon is is at least a software company at heart which means that they understand security a little bit better but what I want to know is whether it's CVS or Walgreens or Amazon, um, how much do you think that that full database of what everybody is taking is going to go for on the dark web when it gets leaked? And, and it I will. don't say if. Well, it, it will, and it probably doesn't matter which one of those companies that you're with. There was another big well, I think it came out a couple of years ago, but it finally maybe the information hit one of the usual uh, message boards. But it was the MGM Corporation, who owns a bunch of casinos in Vegas and elsewhere, that had a leak of over 10 million customers' names, addresses, and phone numbers. And I've stayed at MGM properties, so I'm sure I was a part of it, as was people like Jeff Bezos and I'm sure other big celebrities have stayed there the information you're giving any of these people oh, oh yeah I'm, I'm sure jeff bezos owns several mgm properties <laughs> he could i mean i'm sure he could buy and sell them but it comes down to it's like you know hey you check in you give you have to give them your information whether it was uh his personal phone number i mean now i've gone to but giving a google voice number for everything information what's that do you have to give them true information I think to a certain point, I think address, because they probably match that to the credit card you're using, you know, because that's one of the ways things kick back. If the, you know, at least if the zip code doesn't match 
the credit card as far as what address you're giving them. But as far as phone number, I've gone, you know, 100% using, I mean, it, great. I'm sure it's a privacy concern in another way. But if a number phone number is going to get leaked, I would rather it be my Google voice number that I can just turn off and not be bothered by uh-huh. anybody. Then, uh, and how, how exactly again are they getting credit card information off of my cash? It had nothing to do with cash. There was this wasn't even a credit card database, this was just a customer database. So, I mean, if you call the MGM right now and say, Hey, I'm Sir Bemrose, bitches, I want to come stay there, they're going to be like, Okay, what's your address? What's your phone number? Yeah, and what, what if I call MGM? And be like, I'm Jeff Bezos, bitches. I want to stay there. Also, I'm buying your hotel. The usual penthouse suite at 50000 a night, sir. Put it on the usual account. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds great. I'm, I'm sure they don't. I'm sure they do nothing to verify that it's really me. I can just walk in, right? Yeah, they look at you and go, this is a lot of money. You're, you're Jeff Bezos, right? And you're like, uh-huh, <laughs> carrying a <Yes>. cat. <laughs> No, not a problem whatsoever. With, with a, a headphone and microphone in front of me, like, yeah, uh, I'll just be doing a podcast later. Yeah, you, you guys have good Wi-Fi, right? Uh, that's totally secure. No problem. Yeah. But, uh, I'll be, uh, yeah, can can you go ahead and just connect the trunk line up to the penthouse suite again? Because I'm going to need some bandwidth. You're going to need a lot of gonna bandwidth. Be podcasting. We're going to be, gonna be podcasting. And then, and then I got a lot of uh, porn that I need later. We need, we need a really big pipe for that. Uh, so I don't know. It's It seemed very is, knee-jerk reaction. Is that reaction. a porn reference? Yeah, yeah. Knee-jerk reaction, though, with the Amazon pharmacy was really invasive and creepy. But then it, when you're looking at it more from a logical standpoint, I'm like, is it really any different than my local grocery store or Walgreens? I don't know. I don't think it is it's uh it's it's really just about what temperature you're comfortable with your frog being at in that bottom water i mean nice warm you know kicking back with the margarita yeah i i mean if the it's the i mean the boiling frog is my favorite analogy simply because it's so grotesque but but you could say overton window you can say normalization if People, you know, people are okay with a lot of really, really creepy things because they're normalized and everybody does it. But then you suggest something else, which objectively isn't that much worse. And you're like, if if you're not used to it, you're like, oh, I don't want to. And I do the same thing. And I'm trying to think of an example, but I'm not going to give one because I can't think of one off the top of my head. Well, when you talk about the HIPAA thing, too, which is a big deal and the data has to be protected. Otherwise, it could cost them a whole lot of money. I start asking myself that question, too. Can Meyer grocery store or can Amazon big bad tech conglomerate? Which one can probably protect that data better? Uh, marginally so, I would say Amazon is probably a little bit better at it. But here's... Amazon is generally better going to be better at protecting data simply because they have a, they pay a lot more in IT costs. They pay a lot more dudes named Ben who are tasked specifically with protecting stuff. Um but at the same time Amazon holds so much data that how much does it matter if yours gets out compared to, you know, if you have your well, I don't know about the I, I, your your local grocery store. It might be a chain, so they might be huge too. 
But suppose it was your local pharmacy that is a mom and pop organization. Um, they might have, you know, a part-time contract IT guy who works for 25 pharmacies and does IT and so might not be that great at keeping it. But at the same time, if if their database of, of you got out, it would be devastating to them. Amazon, they'd be like, eh, just file it in the reports. Well, see, there, and, there know, I then, kind of disagree. At the end of the day, there'll be... The, at, at the end of the day, I'm sure Amazon has some guy who looks over the report of the 37 breaches that they had that day and be like, eh. If it's a little mom and pop thing, it's probably security by obscurity because it's not worth the time unless it's so crazy and, open. And, and well, not well, never 100 percent, which I would argue that none of these are um, security through obscurity. There's it. It's a valuable layer with the. You're saying that Amazon would just look at it like, yeah, I don't care. I mean, here's the problem with Amazon. If they're hacked, it's probably all of their pharmacy consumers that get hacked. And with the HIPAA violations carrying massive fines for every person's data that's leaked, that could probably take them down. Even as big as Amazon is, I mean, not take, put them out of business, but it's not going to be, ah, that's a million dollar fine. It's, it's you're, you're so cute when you have faith in the ability of the government to prosecute a giant corporation like this. Are you when, saying they're when above was the, the law? last time? When was the last time that any large corporate greed fucker ever went to jail for large corporate crimes? I'm, I'm not saying going to jail, Has but the ever, IRS did just well, find I, Facebook. No, what? Nine billion dollars. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, a yeah, pretty we'll big see one. If, we'll see if that still exists. <laughs> Facebook or the, the, IRS? the IRS is the IRS is going to is dick measuring and Zuckerberg is going to whip it out soon. And honestly, I don't really like where this metaphor is going. Hey, it's but, your metaphor. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm disavowing it. Zuck is calling uh, up like, can I, I buy I, the IRS? Is that possible? Yeah. I, and, and he might. I, I mean, I, I, uh, most of the, we haven't got to the topic yet, but most of the research that i did before this because it stuck in my craw was on uh a a particular type of law that we're seeing in more and more states that is being purchased by presidential candidate mike bloomberg uh it, it he is he is through very an, an organization specifically you know there's one called uh uh the uh why can't i fucking find it I don't the know. You said you, did, you said you did homework and all yeah, this. I made, and I made too fucking many notes. And we're all waiting oh. patiently for, yeah. for you to drop this knowledge bomb on us. Okay. If if you're waiting, if you're patient when you're listening to this, you're you're in the wrong state of mind for grumpy old Ben's. There is an organization called Every Town for Gun Safety, which is a, is a nice neighborly sounding name, and it is a Mike Bloomberg funded lobbying group. That is trying to destroy the Second Amendment by passing states' laws. Uh, do we even want to get into this right now? You you were on a roll with your pharmacy shit. Well, we can hit that later because that's an important thing. It's, uh, the, we're back into a lot of uh, the states versus the federal and, uh, you know, the whole federal thing that the government can't infringe upon. But, yeah, Progo makes a good point. Like, you know, is a HIPAA thing really going to take Amazon down? I don't know. It uh, it all depends. I, I don't think it'll stick. And 
I mean, I would guess it would have to be something that would be complete dereliction of duty. I think if it's something, I mean, as we're seeing more and more, hacking is getting much hard, not much more complex, but there are groups that are out there that are doing nothing but it, but hacking their state sponsored groups, which is one of the things we wanted to talk about today with the uh, Iranian hacking groups that uh, are hacking VPNs to back. I mean, I thought it was great. Just the headline on, uh, on Hacker News was. Iranian hackers exploiting VPN flaws to backdoor organizations worldwide. And I had to laugh because, you know, when you get backdoored, it's probably going to hurt a little. And this is true with this story. Or online or off? Probably both. I mean, I was just thinking the metaphor there was probably just the same as yours, but it was good. And well, uh, it's good to know that we're both torturing metaphors on today's Grumpy Old Men's. (laughs) And just this concept that. There are these groups that are state sponsored that are going after corporations. And there's a lot of corporations that use yeah, VPN the CIA yeah. for the purposes of, you know, security and safety, which is kind of funny until you realize that these VPNs used by a lot of these major companies and organizations have dudes named Ben that aren't exactly on top of things that aren't applying the security patches. And uh, it leaves these companies vulnerable. And the the intriguing thing with this is when we go back in the day, you know, again, when we were kids, when the Internet just started being a thing, hacking was fairly simple. They wanted to get into your computer and just give you a, you know, a, a big middle finger of love or a ha ha, you've been hacked. And then it starts screwing with your data. But now a lot of this stuff is. You don't even know you're hacked because the whole concept is they just want a door into your organization. They want your data and they don't want you to know they're there. You're you're just one more hop on the botnet. Right. In fact, it's even a little bit more insulting than that. If I don't know if this is scarier, but it's your computer is not important to them. You're just one of tens of thousands and you know statistically if you try to hack a hundred thousand computer and you computers and you get ten thousand then uh well ten percent is a pretty fucking good return but uh and some dudes named ben have not been doing their jobs but i mean a hundred thousand no you you send out and you try to hack a hundred million computers and if you get ten thousand that's a pretty decent botnet and if you go ahead and and protect yourself then they don't care that's 0.01 percent so, yeah, so the <laughs> saying, you know, the, that you've been hacked is is a little bit pretentious is like, well, yeah, I've been hacked. And you, this person's been hacked. You, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Well, but it, it the these it used to be like if I was going to hack your computer for the purpose of popping up a dialogue box on your screen that said, ha ha, I got you. Um, it was because I wanted to hack you. Now, I don't know or give a shit who you are. Uh, you're just one of, of 100 million computers I'm trying to compromise. Well, it is. But in the case of these Iranians, they have specific uh, organizations and specific, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, so you know, they're going after, like, say, all pharmacy. They're going after government. They're going after different types. I mean, yeah, they don't care if they're into Blitz computer. I mean, they don't, I mean I'm sure there's some good stuff there. 
that's not the door they're looking for. And Blitz I, in the troll room. And if I you're not in the troll is. room, you're missing out. Noagendastream.com when we do these things live Friday at 11 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Pacific. He's like, well, if, if Iran's so good at all this hacking stuff, why aren't they interfering in U.S. elections? How do we know they're not blitzed? Uh, because the Americans are even better at it. We're, are we? Are we yeah. the best at this? Yes. The, the, in, in, the billionaires especially are really good at interfering with the elections. In fact, just purchasing them. Well, that's uh, right. Well, that was okay. one of the other stories I saw. And this is everybody else. I mean, I know you probably don't see this because you're the guy that turns all the stuff off in your browser. If you go to try to look at a Washington Post story, they constantly now just black it out with you can subscribe for as low as one dollar a month. And I'm like, fuck you. Not paying no, if money. I go to a Washington Post story. Well, first of all, if I go to a Washington Post story, then I need to go get checked into a psych ward because that place is garbage. But I thought it was. I have been, I have been linked there before, and uh, it it probably doesn't surprise you that uh, when I do with no JavaScript enabled, uh, what I usually get is um, oh the text of the story. Wow, see, I don't get that, so I got to turn JavaScript off. But they had yeah. a <laughs> have have a browser that has JavaScript disabled. Seriously, everybody should have one browser that has JavaScript disabled because there are a lot of places on the web where you are safer and the experience is better when you get an experience at all because you're not getting all of the trash crap now there's a lot of sites that straight up don't work without javascript and uh you know the the better solution that i usually take is eh, i don't need to visit that site fuck them but if you absolutely have to visit then you know the the plug first of all the plugins always have a whitelist so you can turn it back on but you can also just switch to the other browser for that site alone. Don't do all your general browser. When, when somebody sends you a link on Twitter, don't click on it with a browser that is going to download and execute megabytes of code from the internet and run it on your computer when you have no idea what it's doing. And the most benign thing that it's probably doing is trying to display shit to infect your eyeballs. And more likely, it's probably mining bitcoins using your CPU and heating up your room in the winter using your electricity. And definitely don't pay the Washington Post a dollar to read their crappy stuff. But oh, hell no. The article was I do that for free. Just Ryan at grumpy I will send you a full primer. OK, take him up on that. And uh, we well, DC girl also send us the whole primer. I'll have to send it over to you on the election stuff that we're going to have her on after super tuesday and she got all of the training materials and she specifically asked being a grumpy old ben's you know and i'm sure no agenda fan maybe too that uh she asked is this is this stuff like uh you know can we show this to other people it's not like confidential we don't have to sign they're like no it's all okay so uh she sent us all the manuals and stuff so i'll be interested to peruse the election stuff but the Article on the Washington Post was warning people that these online sites, they don't have the same rules and regulations that broadcast media does about political ads. So be warned. And, and you read this just just to be clear, you read this on the online site, WashingtonPost.com. Yes. <laughs> OK, just <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying that this particular hypocrisy makes them wrong, just that it's hypocrisy yeah in an irony alert 
kind of yeah <laughs> you know it's uh it, it's it's interesting to me when it comes down to a lot of these rules and regulations about the political advertising you know how much money can be spent or you know having to balance it out whatever that means and uh it just seems like another no, no, the the balance rules were repealed long ago you know it's just it's it's impossible to for anybody that's running you know if you had a website you know we're we're grumpy old bats does that mean that if uh, mike bloomberg came to us and he's like hey i want to pay you a thousand dollars to you know to pimp my campaign we'd be like well we can't because we'd have to get money from is that too much too little uh i don't know it it just seems well okay first of all if that happened i would take his fucking money <laughs> just letting you know that's and, fair and of course and of course it's only fair that i would say that you know mike bloomberg put me up and paid me a lot of money to say the following and then i would say his message and then i'd be like and now mike bloomberg did not pay me to say this he's a fucking dick and you need to dis- scorn him with every fiber of your being vote for mike bloomberg Add yes. over whatever you do don't <laughs> vote for mike bloomberg it turns out grumpy old ben's doesn't get a lot of repeat ads that way <laughs> that's why we don't use that advertising method yeah uh, that and nobody's asked us to advertise but i thought that was yeah, kind of like, an interesting fuck, thing somebody wants to somebody wants to give me money though i'm i'm it's hard to turn it down it is and one of the other things i saw and then then the article of course this was on uh nbc i believe that they ran an article that Twitter was coming up with. Think the Chinese social score thing. They were going to be implementing something similar to that on Twitter. There was a whole thing on how if there was a politician, especially seemed to be kind of pointed out, that posted something that they were going to have fact checkers that would have a big red box underneath that would be like, this information is not true. And... Yeah, I, I thought about this for and, and if I were dumb enough to use that site uh, when they pop that shit up, probably the first thing I would do is right click on it and go block element in U block. And suddenly it would be treated like an ad and I would never see the the bullshit fact checking because fact checking is really nothing more than a way of deciding here you know we happen to agree with the bias of this third party so we're going to let them lend credence to our personal position right which is what i you know I, and then it was funny because nbc if came somebody out. says fact check it's bullshit they are not telling you objective facts what they're doing is saying that somebody that we chose is verifying this and therefore you can go ahead and add their bias to our bias there's no guarantee of objectivity NBC fact checked themselves shortly after the article was printed. Oh, oh, that's objective. Which said that, oh, uh, we accidentally said they were going to be starting this in like May or something. And they said they have no plans on doing anything in the immediate future. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this was an interesting thing to see that. But the concept I, I thought about for a minute, which was, could this work? This is, I kind of start thinking, you know, about like the Supreme Court. And we've seen that already go down a political bias thing so it's like okay if we can't take care of this with federal judges to just interpret the law for the law without putting their bias into it i don't know how twitter would think they would be able to do this the only way that you could do this and i don't think they can 
was if you were able to come up with a small group of people that you could somehow verify were on different sides of the political aisle and you would need a majority to be able to say yeah fact check this isn't this isn't true you would need to have people from both sides of the aisle because you're right otherwise what you're going to get is just more bias and it has nothing to do with facts i mean whoever gets to decide what is a fact it's implicit in a lot of these conversations the the assumptions uh, the number of people assume that twitter has any interest or incentive whatsoever to present objective facts they don't they they have a corporate bias and they are fully incentivized to feed you their bias why would you ever expect that they would want to give you you know as if something called objective facts exists but let's assume that for the moment um there there's no incentive whatsoever that twitter would give you anything objective they are a company that is trying to keep their you know, even if even if you don't ascribe a political leaning to them they are absolutely financially incentivized to give you facts that will cause you to use twitter more whatever that interpretation is well, yeah, that's exactly it. DC Girl in the Troll says they have no motivation to get it right, whatever right may be. And I think that is what has to sink in. It's a uh, when you start calling things misinformation. So let and we've seen uh, on the No Agenda show, Adam talks about that all the time. I think it was the WAPO, right? That had the list of like 1600 times Trump wasn't truthful. And like going down the list, every one of them is pretty much crap this would be the same thing when you start going through twitter when when they provide a list at all and the the thing with this this misinformation tag on twitter you're now going out and calling somebody publicly a liar which i think could be actionable if again this could be proven well it can can you mean can it be proven whether or not twitter committed libel I think that's probably pretty likely. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just say, I mean, easy target. Donald Trump posts something. Twitter comes by with their group, whoever they're picking to do this, uh, allowing this group to come up and push that. Oh, if enough of them agree, this is misinformation. So Twitter has to bless these people. These are their folks. They're the ones putting this system into place. So if this group then comes down and marks Trump's tweet as misinformation, and Trump's lawyers go, nope, that's absolutely true. We're suing Twitter for libel. I don't see how they wouldn't be responsible for that. Well, they're only responsible if somebody sues them and it ends up in court. The the, the problem is, you know, the. Well, saying somebody spreading misinformation that- is calling them a liar, I think, Progo. I mean, that's again, if you're going to start hiding behind those kind of uh, technicalities, which is. Uh, we didn't say Trump was a liar. We just said when he said this, it was misinformation. Well, it was well. If it's true, you're calling them a liar. I mean, this is. I think everybody can agree on this. Even if you don't come out and say you're a liar, you posted something which said what you just posted is not true. If that's not calling them somebody pra- that's practically lying. Practically speaking, I just practically speaking, I completely agree with you that uh, yes, if you are. Well, actually, uh, you know, I said that he was misinformed and that he 
only had uh you know he only lied every day and and i didn't actually call him a liar you know if, right. if you start hiding twiddling waffling with words like that then uh yeah, practically speaking you're a total douchebag and need to stop it be- and and deserve some public scorn which is what twitter needs for this uh legally speaking though um i'm not a lawyer uh, I, I actually had, you know, way back in the day, I actually had some people be like, well, you know, you're really smart and have an eye for details. Have you considered going into law? And I didn't consider it at the time. And I'm glad I didn't because although I understand laws pretty well and I have a pretty good, you know, because, uh, programming and the law are both following the letter of ridiculous instructions. But the thing is, I have respect for programming. Well, I don't I, have any respect for the law. I can give you a three word reason why you wouldn't become a lawyer. Contempt of court. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing no, case number one. That's the reason. That's the reason why I wouldn't stay a lawyer. <laughs> Go through all the work. You have to be a lawyer. First case. Are you yeah. fucking stupid, judge? Boom, boom, well, boom. <laughs> because. Because being a lawyer and practicing law uh requires a respect for the law that i've never been able to develop because i i i don't know if it's if it's human nature or if it's our education system that does this but the vast majority of people in the civilized world have a number of of deep inherent assumptions about authority uh things like well Rules are rules, and because they're rules, you have to follow them. Well, but why? Well, because they're rules. But why does, you know, who, who makes the rules? Well, the, the authority makes the rules. Why do you have to follow them? Because they're rules. And, and, and <clears throat> I, I have made an attempt to have actual conversations with people, and, and I'm having this argument right now with the straw man that I'm setting up in front of me, who just has this fealty to authority and i i I, I, rules are made by people right people are fallible you know (laughs) well the more the the more minutiae they get into especially i get you know the law thou shalt not kill i'm I'm stuttering because this blows me away so much (laughs) well it is and there's very simple stuff and there were you know there's a few things i think everybody can get behind the fact, like you have said before, that lawmakers make laws and they're doing this on a daily basis and the law, the code gets to be so complex that nobody can really know yeah. everything in the law, the, including the, the people the that US, do nothing but study it. The, the full U.S. legal code, the set of all laws that are applied, the, the set of all excuses that the federal government can use to send p- armed people with guns to your house to take away your rights, that set if it were actually written down which dirty secret it's not written down anywhere they you know some of it's written down in some places some of it's written down in other places some of it is just word of mouth you're you're going to get it enforced against you anyway that is longer than the source code for the product i used to work on windows we, I, I we at least could kind of come up with an estimate for how long windows source code was it was like 13 million lines or something when i was there Did you leave any easter eggs in it Yes, but um, we weren't allowed to, so I can't actually admit that. Gotcha. That makes absolute sense. But 
I mean, there was a book I talked about it, I think, in one of the random thoughts episodes not here that said everybody breaks the law pretty much on a daily basis and has no idea they're breaking the law. I've got a pretty good idea on breaking the law, but <laughs> well, only the ones I don't respect. It depends on which ones you're breaking. You might even be breaking more. And that's the, you know, that's the intriguing part. And ignorance is not an excuse, even though nobody knows all the laws. So basically, you're uh, no, the only thing no that situation. allows the average, the only, the one sole thing that allows the average human to function in their life in the first world is not that they don't know they're breaking their laws. It's that there are so many, they cannot all be enforced. And the people with guns who go to your house to enforce laws on you have to pick and choose who they decide to enforce against. And the average person does not pop their head up and get noticed. Anonymity is the only thing saving your ass from being permanently incarcerated and slave. <laughs> it, it, the, it, and the, the real unjust thing about it is that if you do shit and like say what I'm saying, and if grumpy old Ben's had a larger following and the people who set policy and enforce policy actually decided to notice me, which will happen once you guys get off your ass and tell everyone about grumpy old Ben's, then they are going to find any of the dozen laws that I unwittingly violate every day. And they're going to start enforcing them on me because I'm saying shit that the government doesn't like. Right. And if you say it on Twitter, things Twitter doesn't like, they'll give you a big red box. And uh, well, uh, that's because Twitter behaves like a government there. Make no mistake. They're not behaving like a private corporation. They are behaving like the arbiters of free speech on their public platform. Which is why, let me just pose this question to you, because I think every other time we've had this conversation in one form or another, it comes down to the only real answer is freedom of speech, allow people to say anything they want. Do you believe that in this world that a company like Twitter, let's just say their intentions are as pure as the falling snow, and they really want a fair system, and they really okay. just want to point out that things are if, if, incorrect if when they're incorrect. Land, do you believe if we're going to that land, this can be have a unicorn? Could, right, but okay. You, so you're basically saying there's no way this could ever be done. Well, no, I'm just I, I'm saying that it, it Twitter will never be impartial or pure of intent. Well, let's just say another in company society. that allows posting. Right. Any company that allows they're, people they're, to post on their on their platform, if they really okay. wanted to have something that would, I, I would assert that no corporation that is publicly traded ever can do that. Doesn't However, even have to be publicly let's go traded. Aside for the moment, I mean, it just it just would be like, well, what any company at all? Do you believe could make this work? Make you, Twitter work? Well, no. That anybody that wants to have this concept of flagging things as misinformation. Let's just say they they really want to get this right. Would this be a possibility in today's world? So, so by way, uh, the my, the way I'm going to answer that is to go back and broaden a statement that you started with. Is you said that the only way to protect speech or or to have a workable rational communications is freedom of speech and the argument i will make is that it's not just speech the only way that you can have a fully a a rationally working functioning society 
is freedom. That is the only way to do it. Um, you, you cannot, there, there is no workable functional way once you get to the devil in the details to have centralized control over anything and have that thing remain pure. And so can any company centrally control a communications platform like this and objectively moderate it? No, I don't believe so. There, there will, you know, whether by intention or by mistake or by, uh, a, an artifact of the way the system is set up, there will be injustices created and, when something is centrally controlled, no solution can appear because the central control has it going one way and there's there's no other test case to determine whether or not a solution can work. Right. So it has to be decentralized. That's that's the only way that we could get to this fantasy that you're talking about. Well, it's just the concept is what I was kind of talking about. And I agree with you. I do think no, it would it's, be it's your utopia. It would be impossible to do. And but here's the other let's question. Utopias work before you add humans. Let's let's back. Let's let's jump on the back of Twitter one more time. And we know Twitter's insane. I mean, you don't use it because you want to keep your sanity. Because it's insane. Yes. The well, if, yeah. If you take you who is insane and then go on Twitter, which is insane, that just multiplies the insanity, and nobody well, wants okay. that. You do you want me to put in in a nutshell why I don't use Twitter? Because you hate it. It is precisely well. It is precisely because of the argument that uh d- despite the fact that twitter has de facto become the public forum for communication for our age uh it still has legal protections such that they are a private company it is their private platform and they can do anything they want with it and that anything they want with it means that it's not free you do not have freedom and when I participate in a public forum, I want it to be a free public forum. And I think that's kind of the point that you were getting at right there. Yes. But but that in a nutshell is why I will not participate in Twitter. I am not going to partic- participate and contribute content to a de facto public discourse platform that can be 100% controlled by one central authority. Well, the intriguing thing to me is this concept of adding the moderators or whatever the system they're going to use to mark posts as misinformation. I actually think that is way more detrimental to one, their company and all of the users than not having anything at all. I think it just adds to the problems. It doesn't fix anything. The concept that you could have, oh, Trump posted or Nancy Pelosi, whoever post something and then you have other people going oh misinformation no let people do their own homework and uh because no matter what the misinformation might be misinformation so we'll need a misinformation (coughs) tag on the misinformation tag and it'll just multiply like that You're, you're you're fighting against human nature though you know on the one hand a lot of people care far more about perception than reality and don't bother with rational facts and and, and labels create perception and uh you know another word for it is twitter is propagandizing you with this label um but the other thing the other bit of human nature you're fighting against is people don't want to put forth the effort to become informed 
And, you know, we, we can shame uninformed voters all we want. And, and I do because they deserve it. But at the same time, it is a rational decision. I, I know lots of people who are otherwise very smart people who make the rational decision to not become informed about issues like this because they're playing the odds, which the odds are in their favor. They are playing the odds that eh, this is not going to personally impact me anytime soon. And it is a positive amount of effort to become informed and become active on these things. And so a lot of people that I know will, you know, I, I will bring up you, I, I, you know, this is bad. This situation is terrible. You should not do that. And then they'll be like, yeah, but it probably won't affect me. And as much as I, it infuriates me when somebody says, yeah, I'm choosing not to become informed about that. Ignorance if is bliss. I value, if I value freedom, it still has to be their choice. And so it is. But, you know, that just leads down the slippery slope of causing more problems because ignorance is never the answer. Sure, well, it's a right, but it, it, it is. And, and the solution to that is convince somebody that they need to become informed and explain why. Um, now, the solution to the root problem is that if we have, if we if it is absolutely necessary for a functioning society for people to become informed about issues and it is not worth becoming informed because it is too complicated, then what needs to happen in order to have a functioning society, despite putting humans in it, is the issue needs to become less complicated. We need fewer laws. We need, you know, uh, politicians who don't talk with two faces we need to uh you know platforms like twitter to be more transparent um you know maybe maybe we need really radical ideas like google's index made public i, I don't know but if an issue is too complicated and therefore people are not becoming informed and that's causing problems the solution to those problems as much fun as it is to shame the people it doesn't solve the problem to shame people because they're going to do what they want to do the solution is we need to find a way to make the issues less complicated, less complicated. And I think you're right with transparency. When things happen, I'm like James Woods is a good guy to point to on Twitter. He had himself on like a hiatus for like nine months. He's back now. And uh, Twitter has suspended Boy, his I account learn. multiple times. The The nice thing would be when somebody like James Woods, I mean, especially people like that, who, you know, a million people are following post something that twitter finds is just so horrible that they have to ban or shadow ban or whatever or you know stop his post from going out that there would be a note that would be attached to his account referencing said tweet saying well this account is currently banned because this specific tweet broke our terms of service in this specific way because usually what you just get is Nope, they're banned. And yeah. that doesn't yeah, explain you, you got anything. banned because you got banned because one of our hand selected, totally objective people that we say are objective because we hand selected them, uh, decided that they didn't like what you were having saying or was just in a bad mood or you know what? Fuck you. We don't have to give a reason. Yeah. Right. And if you don't have to give a reason, that's, we that's can all learn from that. Shit. Yeah. 
But something you said earlier was, I think, vital as far as staying anonymous, more or less, online, which can still be done in some places, but it's getting harder and harder to do. We've talked about VPNs in the past. Now, Firefox is launching their own VPN. And I'm just curious what you think about that, or if you think that it's anything at all, or if this is just another VPN to throw into the pile with all the other ones everybody talks about. Well, if I may uh, throw your argument back at you from many, many episodes ago, um, I guess my question is, how much are you paying for this Firefox VPN? Well, right now it's in beta and you have to you have to uh sign up to get into the beta otherwise it looks like they're starting out at like five bucks a month once they're launching so i don't believe it's a totally free thing maybe they're having a uh, there might have been something about a free thing up to you know a certain amount of data per month which i think like uh, bitdefender offers with their services as well i mean it's a very limited vpn like up to you know one gigabyte or not even one gigabyte like a, you know it I was mean, i i got i got fr- i got this from you as a a first order indicator of whether or not a vpn should be trusted is do you pay for it it is one of the reasons i mean there's no doubt about it if you pay for it it makes it a little bit more secure but it all comes down to you have to trust somebody with your identity and is there anybody you actually do trust because otherwise you're connecting yeah, me right but you have to connect to the internet via somebody else i mean there is not unless i'm wrong is there a bemrose isp out there with a backbone uh if if there is then for privacy reasons i'm not going to tell you about it <laughs> i could just see you uh running fiber and hacking into a line close uh and just, and just getting on the net i can see that but I mean, everybody that runs, I, I, I mean, yes, point taken, uh, if the Internet you know, is it's easy to speak of it as as one thing, but it's not. It's it continues to be, although, you know, despite attempts at centralization to be a vast network of interconnected things. And you need to trust not only the person you're connecting to, but everybody in between you and there. And without that trust, the internet will not exist because people will not communicate with each other. So the, the trust is necessary um, for the purpose of personal security. It helps to minimize your exposure to bad actors. And it's, it's one of the reasons why the U.S. is so screwed that so few people have viable broadband options. Um, I happen to be lucky. In that in my household, we have multiple ISPs, which means that I have the option if my ISP does something I don't like to send traffic through the other one. Not many people have that. And that's a terrible point of of a pinch point for your trust. But well, you could really confuse them with a router that would kind of combine and then separate. You know, you could do a you do a web search and it's giving you uh, some packets coming from one, some to the other. Well, we, we do that sort of kind of sort of neat. Uh, well, so the way that we have it is we have the two routers for the two different ISPs coming in 
and uh, they are connected to each other because the routers are allowed to connect to each other. It's they're they're routing. They're very good at it. And then each of the computers has a uh, via DHCP, depending on just what you configure in your computer. Uh, each of the computers in the house has an uh, uh, an intended first hop. And that effectively determines which, when both ISPs are up, that determines which one the vast majority of your traffic is is working with. But um, the reason that they're connected together is that if one of them goes down, then the router will see that it can't make the connection through the ISP that's down and will route across the bridge cable to the other one. And then suddenly my packets come from the other way. Now, the question I had is exactly what DigiGuru just asked in the troll room. So you can, can you hop between ISP seamlessly like John C. Dvorak? Uh, well, first of all, JCDs is not seamless. In fact, <laughs> he has to get up and walk away from his desk to do it. So I'm not really sure. As far as I know, and this is, this is entirely supposition, judging by the fact that when John C. Dvorak switches, he, he gets up and walks away from the microphone. I think he's getting up and plugging an Ethernet cable in somewhere else. The old fashioned uh, way of switching, <laughs> taking yeah. a cat's six cable, unplug, plug. Uh, yeah, my, mine is not seamless either. The, the vast majority of software that we run tends to make assumptions about, well, we'll just take the default DHCP and that's where we send all of our traffic, which is a perfectly valid assumption because the vast majority of computers only have one outgoing thing. Um, I, I don't have any, so, you know, I have a script on my computer, which will switch my default gateway in, in windows. And that is just determines which router that it pings first to go to, uh, uh any site. And then the routers do what the routers do. Um, the main reason that we use this is for failover and it, it's worked pretty well. Um, I'm sure there are some horrible security things that I'm exposing myself to, but you know, when I expose myself, people scream that, yeah, that's nothing new. And usually the police are called and they want to enforce one of those crazy, crazy laws yeah. that you disagree with. And, uh, yeah, like, like, you know, you, you can't get naked and go stand on the deck in front of your house and, and sweep. And I, not that this happened recently. Well, I mean, if you're in the middle it, of nowhere, nobody asking. can see you. I mean, sure. I mean, although there's those well, drone I'm things. I'm in the middle now. of a city. Yeah, well, I mean, they'd have to be looking. I mean, that's also, I mean, the people have talked about with the high rises, you know, is that, you know, do you have to keep your blinds closed, your drapes closed if you're on the 40th floor yeah. just because somebody well, across the way can see? Was was it? I think it was Hog Story recently. They actually talked about uh, somebody having the somebody having the cops called on them it was like some professional athlete had the cops called on them because they were masturbating in their car in a public parking lot and some busybody bitty comes by and sees this person doing something and ends up calling the police and this person ended up having to getting arrested and taken down to the station because they were jerking off in their own car and if like what the 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 real crime to me is what the fuck is this peeping bitch doing staring in other people's cars how about if if you see something that looks suspicious like that instead of being a busybody bitch that gets in everybody else's business how about you mind your own and just get in your fucking car and drive away 
is is that too much to ask you know when when a guy has needs i'm i'm not actually defending public masturbation although that does seem to be what's happening here but seriously in your own car the content of grumpy old ben should not be taken as legal advice <laughs> tommy nominus from the troll room she should have joined in well yeah just <laughs> lend a hand come on i, I don't know that that depends on how old and wrinkled she is. I'm sorry. Uh, that that might have ended it right there. I'm, yeah, but I don't judge. Only when you're breathing. If we can jump back to the Firefox VPN for a minute, it all comes down to who you can trust, right? I mean, that's what it, with any of these services. The reason anybody gets a VPN in the first place, besides setting them up, as we've talked about, businesses, corporations, for safety reasons. And those could be hacked anyway. But for an individual, the reason to get a VPN, whether it's on your home network going out to your broadband or if it's on your phone, the main thing you're trying to do is find somebody you trust with your data for to keep what you're doing away from prying eyes. If everybody trusted Xfinity, AT&T, Cox, all of these companies that provide the internet service to people, VPNs really wouldn't be needed, right? I mean, that's basically the, what you're doing. If you have a VPN, you're like, well, I don't want my ISP to be able to track me. And I understand the ISP. It's very easy because of the fact of waste. I'm not even I'm not even as worried about tracking so much as uh, I mean, God, it was 10 years ago. Comcast got slapped a bit for or actually filtering for like, if they, they inspected your packets and decided they were packets that they didn't like, they right. start dropping them when torrents were a really big thing. Yeah. You know, they got hit was, with that. Was that torrents? I didn't remember. Yeah, that was what it was. They were trying to interrupt the flow if you were, and then they were doing the deep packets. So if you were doing torrenting, you're right. They would either try to drop the packets. They would slow your connection down which is one of the reasons why encryption became big and v VPN for those who don't know. And if you're a grumpy old Ben's listener, this is probably everybody knows, but when you put a VPN on your whole network, you can put it on your router or on your individual computer. It takes all of your data and encrypts it before your ISP ever sees it. That's one of the things that it does. So it makes it a lot harder for your ISP to know what you're doing. And I get people that don't want to be tracked. If you go to grumpyoldbens.com, any website, and you're not on a VPN, your IP address is left behind, and the IP addresses are getting easier and easier to track down. For the longest time, when I would go do a search for my IP address, I mean, going back, let's go back about 10 years, you were able to see that I was in the Chicago area, which is a big damn area. You know, it was really hard to say exactly what town that I was in. Now it's getting drilled down to the individual town that you're in, which I mean, I mean, if you go to grumpyoldbens.com, you see where my P.O. box is not really that hard to do for me. But that was the kind of data that you're now leaving on every website you go to. They know where you're from. IP addresses rarely change from your ISP so they could track if you're coming back to the same website over and over again. So there are some things that VPNs are really good for. I don't know if there's a reason to trust somebody like Firefox coming in 
as a VPN. Being that they're based in the United States, California, I don't well, that know. Is, that is a real concern. Yeah, that's a bad jurisdiction for a VPN. Although I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw out uh, a, an argument here, just to you know, it's a soft one right over the plate. See what you do with it. Uh, if if you have a website that you are visiting, but you don't trust them with the knowledge that you're visiting, um, it, you're 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 advocating that a VPN is is the way to do this, and and I can only assume that the website you're talking about is Twitter because you feel a deep shame for constantly visiting them and don't want to provide them information about you. Um, but would not an, an easier and much more complete solution be to stop visiting that site. It could be, but there are reasons why people would need to visit a site and not want to leave their personal IP behind. I mean, yes, we can get into the extremes like people in China who there are sites that are blocked. There are people that are working. I mean, I don't know. Are there still still real journalists around? I'm sure there are a few. And I love the fact that the people can still do that. I'm sure they are. And they're not getting any press. Right. You know, but the people that are really trying to break stories. Now, if you were trying to break a story that was going to take down Hillary Clinton, I would want. You know who the real, you know who the real investigative journalists in this world are? They're podcasting. Yeah. That is, that does seem to be the truth. They're, they're not you. You don't. If you look at corporate owned mainstream media, you are no longer going to get anything that you can have any assurance is the truth. You, you have to. And actually, I, I fully support that, because, again, with my argument earlier, um, it has to be it has to be freedom. It has to be free, open and decentralized. And that's what podcasting is, is decentralized media. And the nice thing with the VPN, too, if you are a podcaster, you could have your server where you're uploading it to. And even if somebody goes and they grab those servers, like the guys from the Pirate Bay understand this. They've had how many servers over the years grabbed. If you're always connecting to your server from your home IP address, they're going to track you down. That was how one of those guys was tracked down with one of those uh, one of those phishing schemes. Was it the guy? He left his IP address in the. One of these dark web things that got taken down. Well, the guy left his actual IP in the code, which was not very smart. But, you know, if you're running like if you're a podcaster and you're exposing government secrets in whatever uh, country you're in, it would really behoove you to have a private VPN that you could connect to that would not give your location away. I don't know if I trust Firefox, though. If I may take us off on on yet another tangent, uh, it, you're familiar with IPv6. Yes. Um, for the most part, I, I mean, the standard is almost 20 years old because everybody was like, oh, we're going to run out of IPv4 addresses eventually. And it, it hasn't gained huge traction. And I wonder how much of that is because... One of the things, and probably not very much, but one of the things that uh, has been a a positive defense um, when somebody is using IP to track you is an IP address is not a person. Correct, and and that that specifically refers to the argument that uh, you know, if even if you can track an IP address down to a residence, then you're not guaranteed that any particular person used the you know because lots of computers could be behind it 
the the existence of network address tra- translation means that your source IP could be any number of things behind it. Um, IPv6 makes network address translation completely unnecessary. And, and in fact, it's, it's one of the selling points of NAT or of IPv6 because network address translation has some real complicated problems. For example, um, anybody who has tried to port forward on their home firewall or router for something knows how much of a pain in the butt it is. And, you know, I was on the internet back before network address translation was big because there were few enough people that basically every computer had its own globally unique ipv4 address and we came up with protocols like irc which had direct chat connections uh which just worked because it you you know you get somebody's ip and you connect and you know you're connected to their computer ipv6 could bring us back to that and i wonder is the privacy aspect that that nat well not a full privacy solution does provide a level of obfuscation for an individual computer behind the NAT router. How, how how excited would you be to bring in a system like IPv6 knowing that it reduces your privacy? Well, personally, I turn it off on my router. So I'm that excited <laughs> is that well, okay, I'm first, asking the wrong person. The first thing you do is turn it off. But yeah, a lot of people, I don't know if they understand Again, grumpy old Ben's listeners, maybe they do, but that's the biggest difference. You're absolutely right. When the IPv6 is everything that you're connecting with has its own outward facing IP address. So even though you're running through one modem, yeah, you're I, running I through mean, one router. I mean, if, every, that's if, a, if you, the MPAA tracks down uh, a particular torrent connection to an IP address today, they can usually track it down to one household. But if we're going IPv6, your 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 device MAC address is coded into it. You can track down down to which cell phone yes. is it was downloaded to. And like you said, and, there's some great uses for that, but the privacy concerns are huge. And everybody thinks, oh, I'm safe because I'm behind a router, but you're not. Which again is another reason for VPNs. And some of them are starting to get into the ipv6 space but it's taking a while there's uh you know there's some very big concerns when you're using the vpns if again if you're doing this for anonymity you're trying to protect your privacy at all costs you'd have to go and you have to make sure because if ipv6 is enabled on your machine or through your router even though you're running a vpn it's very possible the sites you're connecting to are getting your ipv4 address as your vpn yay you're completely protected but your ipv6 oh, yeah, they, address is also going to them yeah the, the well the, that's the other problem with the the aborted partial rollout of ipv6 which continues for now more than a decade which is that all of those packets are are tunneled through ipv4 and translated and rewritten and oh my gosh it you know the the original idea that you slap an address on it and it gets delivered to that computer has been so changed yes. by every single router rewriting something along the way. It's amazing. The whole system even works. So, I mean, I know in one of those episodes we did before Dame Adrian asked, you know, for more advice and what her family can do to stay safe online. I, I don't know if we ever mentioned that before, really, but I would if go into your router as of right now, 
IPv6 is really not doing anything for you that you want, that I can see anyway. If I'm wrong, feel free to reach out, Darren, at grumpyoldbens.com. But it's a technology that it doesn't speed your connection up. It doesn't give you access to anything you're not getting already. All it really does is leaks more information about your devices. And I don't see any reason to be running that, at least as of now. And and please, grumpy old Ben's producers, do please write in and tell Darren how he's wrong, because I'm, I'm not actually it. sure that he's completely wrong about this. I mean, I'm confident he's wrong because I have to correct him on everything, but I don't know how. So please write in and tell us why IPv6 is actually the thing that will save us all. <laughs> it's going to save everything. And any VPN you're going to use. Find, I, I do did your homework. see yet another doom story recently that, you know, another such and such has run completely out or, or assigned their last block of IPv4 addresses. So the, the level of doom about the end, impending end of IPv4 that has been going on for 15 years. Um, I mean, they haven't given up on that. You know, I really wonder what the average home now, let's just say, uh, you know, mom and dad. I mean, OK, two parents doesn't matter what their gender is with a couple of kids. I wonder it how many does, but go on. I wonder how many devices are connecting in an average household now to the internet. Because again, back in the day, we had one, and now eh, probably fifteen, twenty. If you go cell phones, tablets, smart cameras, I wonder what the average is. It's got to be up there. And as we've talked about, every one of those and, and, and is a door. Each one of your light bulbs. Yeah, and don't forget toasters. Progress and toasters. Yeah, yeah. Um, your, your smart oven, which can be remotely turned on by the internet and burn your house down. That's important. So, yeah. So having a VPN that you trust everybody dumb enough to plug their TV into their internet. Well, they're doing it themselves now. I mean, I saw one of these new viruses are actually hacking nearby Wi-Fi. <laughs> so it's, if it gets on your computer and it can see you know, maybe it was a router and then once it gets on there, but it was looking for other Wi-Fi connections and then would go and try to hack them to spread that way, which I think is genius. We're all going to we're all going to die. I think that's the bottom line. But with a VPN, I mean, the main suggestion I would have right now until there's a better resource out there, there is a site called that privacy guy, I think, or something that privacy site that has a whole list of all the VPNs and a bunch of criteria. It shows you if they're under five eyes or 13 eyes or whatever one of these jurisdictions are and uh, look for ones that get good ratings. Look for ones that are in places that don't have that don't have to respond when they get a DMCA letter. If you're doing torrenting or anything like that and uh, and look for VPNs that allow third party auditors to come in because then you're no, you're probably dealing with a legit company that really wants to keep your information safe. They can, when they do an audit, they can prove. The one thing a lot of these companies say that they do is they keep no logs. And if that's true, it makes it very hard. You know, it's impossible at that point. Yes. If you really have no logs, they can't give if, your data. If they really keep no logs, then yes, that's, that's definitely a selling point. If they um, are keeping logs. I, I'm going to ask you this because you've you've kind of hinted at it, but as the local Grumpy Old Ben's VPN expert, uh, do you trust, would you trust Mozilla? Would you use them? I would not because they're based in California. 
which means if again it depends on what you're doing i mean if you're not doing any piracy related stuff would i trust them with just your normal information yeah maybe but well, okay so okay how about this mozilla is international if they say uh, opened up a, a p.o box in panama and farmed out their isp operations to there uh w- would you trust them then if they say they don't have logs and are willing to let third party auditors come in then probably yeah okay i mean because so it's really, not really right who now, they are it's yeah i mean you know who they right now nord vpn they've had some issues i still trust nord with doing the stuff that i do because i'm not doing oh yeah we we've received some some heated and hating emails about your your advocacy for nord vpn like how can you did i yeah and i'm willing to try i was going to try uh surf shark too it's a new one it's based in the british virgin islands uh, you know it's made famous by jeffrey epstein um but they also don't have to respond to any of these and they're very much like uh they're they're the new guy in town they kind of seem like the one that might replace nord if they keep doing everything and if they're being honest about the way they're doing business price about the same which for, for all of these for the sake of your sanity and just to do what you can to protect your privacy you know these things that are like 40 bucks for two years it's not a lot of money for you know what you pay for monthly for your cell phones and monthly for your for your home connections you know it's it's not that much money to go and try one of these to just add that extra layer uh, one thing i think a lot of people don't understand too is that even though you're running a vpn if you go to your local cuz i hear people like well i don't know what you know should i disconnect from my vpn when i go to my banking site no i mean as long as your banking site is doing things correct and you are have a secure which is connection a tall order. which it may be it, it may be so i mean depending on uh, on who you're dealing with but as long as the website is https then the vpn can't see your data the vpn can't see anything that is just http you know that no no s at the end then they can technically see your data but for the https stuff they that's encrypted they would have to unencrypt that they don't have the keys for that and uh so it's just an extra layer of security that uh i think everybody should be using a vpn for various reasons but uh you know it's definitely one of the small things you can do and i know it seems daunting for some people on setting it up but uh you know the easiest thing to do to protect your whole home would be to get a new router that you can put the vpn connection into that you know, have somebody set it up for you, and then you're just always going I don't through think, the VPN. I don't think the tall order is setting it up. The the most difficult thing, and and the reason I say this is the most difficult is that you and I understand computers and and technology and kind of pay attention to this sort of thing, and we can't even figure out w- you know whether or not Mozilla is a trustworthy VPN, or you know, and and there's definitely some disagreement amongst Grumpy Old Ben's listeners about whether nord is a trustworthy vpn i don't think setting it up is the hard part i mean that's hard but i think choosing is the hard part that's the thing that is going to be completely beyond anybody who isn't tech oriented and pay attention to these things you're right because that's your data is going through them so they have information about you and we know that data is wanted 
So whether you're dealing with Nord, it's worth money. Mozilla, people yes. will pay money for it. So you're trusting these companies to not then sell that data, which again, why one but, of the which is a tall order. You are trusting people to go against financial incentives, which is is a very very difficult position to take in a capitalist economy. Which it is, which is why I don't, you know, I, I guess here's another question. Do you trust a VPN that comes through somebody like Mozilla more or less than like a Mulvad or a NordVPN that their only business is VPNs? Does that make any difference? I don't know. Because I, I, I don't know. I mean, on, on the one hand, somebody, you know, the more the more software that you write uh the better you tend to be at it it's like any skill it's it takes practice and um you know somebody who buys a bunch of servers throws them into a data center and then sets stuff up you know for the first time if they might fuck something up um i don't i don't know how much that really matters no especially getting into a brand new business well, JC um, Jr. in the troll was pointing out that NordVPN doesn't own their own servers. I don't think any VPN does. They all rent servers in in big locations, and they should be the only ones that have control over them. So I don't I don't really care if they're renting or or owning the servers as long as they're the only ones that have control over them. And then th- that also adds another question with your VPN is, you know, thank you, the, Sir Matthew, are the people that they're renting from are they, you know, are they hacking the VPN? Who knows? Oh, Sir Matthew is telling me that uh, he sent an email yeah. saying I'm wrong. Yes, he, he he did his duty, and we appreciate it. Yeah, we do appreciate that, Sir Matthew. And uh, he has a podcast coming out soon, Mapping with Matt, yes. that I'm sure will be on the No so, Agenda stream. I wrote a bunch of notes to rant about gun grabbing, which I think I'm just going to have to put away because we're running out of time. But uh, would would you like to talk about the Internet of Things? I do, because uh, one, I just wanted to point out that we go back to Amazon briefly, the ring doorbell now forcing two-factor authentication. And I did want to talk about yes. that because, well, they're, they're, this is kind of them getting slammed, butt slammed for having devices that weren't secure. And this is, this is the normal reaction, I guess. My question to you is twofold. One, is this going to annoy people because this is now an extra step yes. in getting your stuff set up and yeah, should everybody yes. be using it so that's the you double added question an extra step it's going to annoy people full stop but should people the, be the using question, it the thing you're really getting at is 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 it worth the added annoyance because in the yes security tends to add extra steps to things and extra steps annoy people especially when the person who is being annoyed either can't see or or rationally decides that they don't need the extra security then yes the extra steps are annoying is it worth it uh i mean there's a school of thought that says that everyone should be using two-factor authentication for all authentication everywhere uh my position on security is not really in line with the the you know there there's the hardcore security people who who understand and pay attention to security day after day and and see the risks and understand it and decide that the best policy is hardcore all security all the time and these are the kind of people who uh you know if if they're less informed they take fun misguided steps like 
uh, your password must not be a dictionary word and must have, you know, these, uh, you have six uppercase letters and four lowercase letters and two numbers and three pieces of punctuation and a demonic glyph in them or something like that. And then they implement features that require that, which, which coincidentally, uh, if, if you do that, then, uh, fuck you, you're making security worse because you're reducing the total space for password dictionary attacks, but, or, or brute force attacks, but I digress. No, I don't. Um, my position on security is that the level of security used needs to be commensurate with what you're securing. Yes. And when I say that, um, you know, do, do I resent that my bank requires a minimum password length? No, no, not really, because I'm going to use a 20 character password that's full of random characters anyway. And, uh, and, and any sane person would definitely use a password manager with such a thing. Um, but do I resent it when, uh, you have a minimum password length and, uh, characters and, uh, all of these restrictions on a web forum? Yes. Fuck. Yes, I do. Because if you require a login which is actually kind of reasonable to post content by the way fuck any site that requires a login just to read content fuck you that's against what the internet does the internet is supposed to be for public viewing and anonymous viewing should be allowed so you're calling but out anyway, no agenda social a little bit yeah um i i i should be able to read mastodon without having to log in and authenticate myself I I bristle any time that a fucking computer I I am a human being. Humans created computers. I bristle any time that a computer challenges me to prove who I am. And also fuck any site anywhere that uses Google fucking recaptcha. You do not need me, a human trying to train your fucking AI to drive over street signs just to log in and see fucking pictures on a website. But Please anyway. click on all buses. All street signs, but the, uh, I, j I just got blitzed kicked from the troll room. Oh, well, that wasn't very nice of you. But yeah. He probably deserved it. I don't know. But blitz. No, anyways, blitz, not behind no, you. hundred percent. If, if I log in to create an account on, uh, you know, whatever porn fetish website that I have, um, and I have created that account just so that I can, uh, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down the pictures that show up then it is not important to me that that be particularly well secured because if that site, if my account on that site is compromised, what have I lost? Yes. Um, I might have to create a new account. Um, I, I mean, they can impersonate me. Does that mean that they can now uh, tell that site that my uh, kinks are different than what? I mean, who fucking cares? Right. And so for it. that site, if I want to use ABC as my password, I should be allowed to. And I get it for I, banks. I, I, yeah, I get security I, should be the amount of security and the amount of and 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 coincidentally the amount of no, uh, the amount of inconvenience caused by security, which is the important thing here, needs to be commensurate with what you are securing. Well, I'm always kind of I laugh at it because I don't really think there's anything you can do on 
the website when you go to pay your mortgage. There, I don't have any other banking with this bank. It's just strictly the mortgage. So the only thing you could really do by logging in is pay on the mortgage. And if somebody wants to hack in and do that, I'm cool with that. I get protecting where people can take money out of your accounts. I'm kind of fine with anybody yeah. who wants to go in and put money in my accounts. Well, that's that, that's kind of what I was saying, even with regards to the forum, which is uh, that that read only access to public information should be anonymous. Uh, write access in any case where you need some form of repudiation or it, yeah, okay, I can I can see where there's a lot of reason to require authentication for modification of data online. And it is something like it. that if well, I'm, if I'm adding to a public wiki, then you know I'd rather not have to create an account for it. But well, and most sites will let you do two factor authentication now for sites that need to be secure. Again, your banks. And if you really have, you know, you can do this with things like your Gmail account, although, I mean, you're not keeping it safe from Google, but I bought one of those YubiKeys. I've never even set it up yet. I really need to do that because uh, th I think that is where the future is yeah, going. Yeah, you need to do that, and then you need to bring your experiences to this show because that's content. Yeah, we will do that. Especially so. if it pisses you off and you start swearing over it. Well, we'll use that. No, that's the, not your thing. That's more my thing. But if you could do some more swearing on this show, it would really help the content. To try to keep up with you. The interesting thing on this ring doorbell starting 2FA was in the article that said because of these security enhancements, the Amazon-owned service, and this comes from the hackernews.com, has also paused the use, didn't stop, has paused the use of most third-party analytic services and offers a new opt-out option aiming to let users stop Ring from sharing their data with third parties. So yes, understand when you buy a doorbell yes, from I, these assholes, they're, they're sharing I, your data. I, I am, in fact practicing my opt-out option for all ring doorbell tracking and in information sharing it's interesting digiguru says there have been things going on with mortgage theft scams so maybe i guess that may be a thing can you get in and then you own my house who knows um but on this the ring doorbell you can all it says they're, they're quoting wait, now wait you you mean there's somebody out there who might steal my mortgage? can they then pay it that would be nice I'd be okay with that yeah if they want to pay it down i mean i don't know if can they come and just take the house they could just move in like, no, nope. uh, no, I have guns. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's that is the great equalizer. Uh, allegedly. The Amazon company says, quote, you can now opt out of sharing your information with third party service providers for the purpose of receiving personalized ads. Yeah, yes. Yes, I can. By not fucking owning your product, you assholes. If you opt out, Ring will not share the information required to serve you personalized ads, though you may still see non-personalized Ring ads from time to time. But here's what I thought was great. To opt out of third-party data sharing, simply go to the menu of the Ring app, click Control Center, open Privacy Information and Control, then Third-Party Service Providers, then Personalized Advertising, then toggle well, the switch to Disabled. It's simple. It's simple stuff. I, I, to be honest, you lost me at app. Yeah. Well, that's the only way to protect. Remember, the only way to protect your privacy is through the app. It, yeah, the only way you can possibly protect your privacy is to install an app on the computer with sensors that you carry around every day. Progo is just that is, that is the floored. only possible way. Progo's floored. You don't have to send a notarized postcard in to opt out. Maybe maybe you should suggest that to him. 
You I, simply go to the app, click Control Center, open privacy no, information, click third-party service I, providers, I, I then personalize you, advertising, and then toggle a switch. You know, here is, if, if you own a Ring doorbell, here is the one very, very easy method to opt out. It doesn't involve launching an app. It doesn't involve sending Amazon any more data whatsoever. And that is you pry that motherfucker off the front of your house and you throw it in the trash. You have opted out of all Amazon tracking from then on. But what about the app? You still have the app. Well, obviously, you need to, you know, take your phone and, and drop it. it two feet off of a, a t- desk or something. And Put it into the, a the, trash compactor, commercial grade. Or that, yeah. I, well, if if it's Android, you may need a commercial grade trash compactor. If If it's Apple... All you really need to do is drop it about 12 inches off of a table and the entire thing will be non-working. That's true. That's a good that's a good point there. Uh, And then we have another story that you brought up that I thought was fantastic, which uh, I mean, if this was something I think maybe you could have invented yourself, Sir Bemrose. Yeah. Which one's this? The one, the exciting robot that you wanted to talk about. Uh Oh. The the beetle? Yes. <laughs> I, I you know what? I, I read about this and I just I had to laugh at it. Um first of all, the the very first thing, the the first thing you see when you get to hear about this robot called the beetle is it is spelled B-E-E-T-L. So you know it's good because they've done the Silicon Valley dropping the final vowel in the letter thing to make their name. Are there so four different models? John Paul this George is clearly and Ringo. Trendy. So, so what this is, this is an autonomous robot that runs around your yard and finds and picks up dog poop. It is effectively a, a yard Roomba. Um, <laughs> and the article, which was effectively a press release about this thing, um, used some fun terms that, that for me, um, it, it just kind of made me raise an eyebrow. Like, uh, it uses cloud networking to locate dog poop in your yard. What I a cloud network? Why the fuck did I need the cloud to locate? Well, wait, wait, wait. My no, shoes see, do a pretty good job of it. Well, see, if you're a baseball fan, and I was in a previous lifetime, it seems, but they'll show you like exactly where all the home runs for a particular stadium landed over the previous years. Maybe you're going to be able to get a graph on where your dog or whatever animals in your yard prefer to poop. And you can get a pretty little overlay. I am certain that kind of analytics because this thing uh, uh, and here's okay. So the difference between your yard and uh, a Roomba, it's able to map out your house because every time it bumps into something, it's like, oh, there's a thing there. Usually it's a wall. And once it bumps into stuff enough. It's got a pretty good idea what the extent of the room is because it's bumped into walls. But a lot of people's yards border right on somebody else's. And you don't really want to, you know, your shiny new yard Roomba to be going out and pulling up all the dog poop in the whole neighborhood. So you need to tell it what your yard is. Well, unless you're collecting dog poop. And some people are into that sort of thing, but not me. Um, Here's how it it does. Um, it uses a camera that connects to your house and points downward at your yard. So when you do, when you buy this thing, you get a camera, you mount it to your house and you point it at your yard. Um, no, no concern about whether or not there's sight lines or something, but you know, you, assume, let's assume you can see your whole yard and then you install the app and you use the app and you draw on the, 
camera image, you draw the boundaries of your yard. And then it uses that line that you drew with your finger in the app to determine the boundaries of your yard. And then it won't go past them. And so that's why it needs cloud computing is it is sending to the cloud uh, an image of your yard, um, a, a hand-drawn line of everything. Um, you, you can be certain this thing's got GPS on it. Um, it is sending all of the data about where it is because, of course, they don't put enough processor in this for, to reason for itself. No, it, uh, you know, it's Wi-Fi entirely, I'm sure. Um, and, and of course it's uploading the location of all the dog poop that it finds. So you are going to have you know, some Silicon Valley company with an AWS server is going to have a better idea of your dog's diet and where they want to shit than you ever will. And think about how marketable that data is going to be. I'm, I'm just picturing you running out into the yard to screw with the data samples, but that's another story <laughs> or, entirely or just add add some yeah right just add a little bit and if they're doing like a dna and now we're, yeah. we're back to whether or not you can drop trow in public yes but that's an, it's an interesting way to do the boundary of your yard because these earlier things the, the things like this have existed for a while as far as uh, grass cutting machines lawnmowers that you had to like bury oh, that, that a was wire. also in the press release that they they have an expectation that in the future they're going to add a lawn mowing attachment to this thing. See now that's fantastic. What which, which I I'm thinking okay, first of all, uh, a lawnmower is it requires a certain level of structural capability that you don't need in a pooper scooper. True. And if they didn't engineer this thing to not only have the the structural wherewithal to put a mount a large spinning metal blade underneath and not topple itself over, but also the power requirements to spin that blade, um, then it's never going to work. The rotating but, blades of death. Well, that's what a lawnmower is known as to your local squirrel population. Yeah, and they they do have those lawnmowers now. I mean, I don't know exactly. I don't think they're quite the power of a you know gas powered machine. And I think. The secret to most of those is that it goes out like every two days, so it's never grows long enough, so it's easy to uh, yeah. to trim it out. But that's an int- it was an interesting thing to hear that that's how they're doing the the boundaries is the fact that you have to mount a camera and leave it pointing at your yeah. yard, which also means yeah, I can't collect dog you, poop at night. No, well, actually, you probably can because I'm sure this thing, you know, if it's got Wi-Fi, it's got it, it's got to have infrared. Yeah, that's true. And the machine probably puts out enough heat while it's on for it to see it while it's well, moving. Well, I'm I'm sure it just has an LED mounted on the top, so the camera and the, the cloud always knows where your poop, your automated pooper scooper is in the yard. I just want to know: it does, just, does it have a beetle haircut on the top, like the mop top? That'd be cool. I, I, I didn't ask, and I don't want to know. Um, you know, for, so from a technical perspective, I it, it is actually fascinating that. The idea of delineating the yard and using the position by having a live feed from the camera. It, it is actually a really cool way to work out the problem of having effectively an open yard and saying only pooper scoop this area. Can I ask a question though? But I mean, we at, don't have at a the dog. Same time, we don't the have a privacy dog. Privacy implications of this thing freak me out. I have a question though. We don't have a dog, but the neighbor's dog uses I, our are yard. Are you asking me if you don't have a dog? Yes. So my question would be, 
it doesn't just poop in the backyard. It also poops on the side, the other side, and the front yard. How does this thing work? Do you need four cameras? Um, you know, that is a possibility. This thing, the, the example in the press release listed a small rectangular yard that was entirely on one side of the house and fully surrounded by, in fact, it was surrounded by little planters and landscaped and, and the, the example yard that they used in this press release had evidence of a lot more gardening and landscaping effort than I ever want to put in. <laughs> so then again, utopia, we, we all live in a perfect little square where the dog's going to poop and it's never going to poop anywhere yes. else. And your utopia is fucked up by the addition of an actual dog. Yes. No, thank you. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go a different route. And was there a price listed on this machine? There, there was not, and I bet I could have come up with one with a little bit of research, but that sounded like effort. Yeah. yeah so I don't uh, I've given you the name. If you want to know what the price is, go look it up yourself. Besides, uh, it, it's probably one of those things where asking about the price puts you on a mailing list. And if somebody wants to get on a mailing list for the purpose of this show, uh, have at, and I'd love to hear if anything really good comes along, but I'm not going to be the one. I, mean, I used to think that about the lawnmowers, but they really weren't badly priced. I mean, I think you can get them for like fifteen hundred bucks, which that's you know, not bad. No, not for well, again. How many times you do your lawn in a year for the lawns our size? So if you were going to pay somebody to cut your lawn, let's just say have a service, it's like thirty to thirty-five bucks a week, which means monthly. You're talking about 125 bucks a month. Let's say you could only do that like six months out of the year here in Chicago. Let's even round down and let's just say that's about 600 bucks a year. After two years, the thing's paid for itself. You're, you're talking with somebody who has a $110 push mower who goes out and does it himself. Okay. Would you like Actually, to come to, here's another, here's would you like to, come to Chicago for- once a week and just mow our lawn? I'll give you a beer. You don't have. You don't have any grass right now. Oh, no, not right now. I mean, we have it, but it's <laughs> hidden under a nice little white layer of frozen water. And here's the next question that I have for these automated lawnmowers. And that is, uh, I live in, in a part of the country. We have a, a unique challenge that I admit doesn't exist anywhere in the Midwest, which is um, we we have geography here. And, and that is that. The land not only goes outward in various directions, but it also goes up and down. And I live on the side of a hill and my yard is sloped. Our would backyard these- is sloped, but I think you can handle a, a small slope. I would be more worried well, what, in your area slope where you are um, uh, here, probably about yeah. uh, maybe 25, 30 degrees at the bottom there. That's that's more than I expected. Uh, so the one part of my yard that I actually have trouble with, with the manual mower is sloped at probably 45, 50 degrees. You're like, I'm going um, down, but steep. I'm not coming back up. Well, no, what happens is that I mow it down and then I circle around and, <laughs> and mow it on the lighter slope area on the way back up. So I've got one direction that I go where the steep part, I'm always going downward. And then you better make sure you better hope that it's not slippery because if I lose my footing, then I drop down on my butt and my legs will go out forward and I don't need my feet going underneath a live mower. No, that would be that wouldn't be recommended. The thing I would worry about with these, I, it turns out I've not actually lost any toes to this mower yet. But now that I've said that, well, I've heard the chains 
uh, chainsaw stories with you and your brother. So I'm, I'm just, it's, it's a matter of time. You should probably I'm pay not, somebody. I, to I, I'm not your- the Bemrose dumb enough to hit myself with a chainsaw twice either. Yeah. I mean, once I can kind of understand twice just puts Bemlet in a whole new category with these little lawnmower devices, which I'm assuming they're a little bit bigger than a Roomba, but not the size of a full lawnmower in your area. I mean, there are some, there's some fairly large wildlife. The biggest we get around here is like wolves, you know, things, dogs, big dog size. Every now and then, I'm sure if a deer is really lost, it might make it into our neighborhood. But, you know, otherwise, they're just pretty small creatures. You've got some larger well, what, creatures going on around there, don't you? Where, where I am, where I am in the city, we don't get anything larger than a coyote or a deer, which there there are quite a lot of deer near here. Uh if if I were on the outskirts of the suburbs, then I uh, guess there are there are bears, there are wolves, there there's shit that will walk into your yard, and then you're like, I don't really need that near my kids. <laughs> well, and but not here. I'm, and you don't need that new fifteen hundred dollar lawnmower okay. just purring along when a bear walks in, going, huh? Swipe. No. Well, they, if if I were out where there were a bear, I'd have a fucking lawn tractor. That's the thing I grew up with because I, you know, because old man Bemrose the. The, the older man, Bemrose, my dad, um, he he was he grew up on a farm in uh, the rural parts of the eastern part of the state, and he wanted that. So where I grew up, we had acreage, and we had like three and a half acres of yard, and our lawnmower was a lawn tractor with a forty-eight inch three-blade deck underneath it, and you had to drive that tractor over three acres every single week, and and of course, that was the kid's job. Well, you had to do something um, here here in the city. I have a much smaller yard and I'm happy and thankful for it. Yeah. 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 The yard work sucks. It's never any fun. And we can now automate the cutting of the grass so, and the picking up of the poop. Welcome to technology. Let's see. Uh, I had three other Internet of Things stories. Um, I mentioned to you the uh, the hackers can now target automatic car washes. <laughs> which i thought was fantastic i'm never going through one of them things ever again i i, I, I and, and this is this is a matter of the the software that operates those automated car washes usually you know either there's somebody who owns a car wash and they have you know 10 stalls or something or uh, a single car wash attached to a gas station or something uh the software that runs these most of, like the you know the vast majority of them are one set of software and it's made by a company who like so many other companies in the last 25 years decided that they were going to put together some software to run this thing. And then, Hey, wouldn't management be a lot easier if we didn't have to mount a control panel at every installation. And instead we'll just put the management out on the internet. And so through the internet, through the wire Wi-Fi or whatever, um, a, a some security researchers were able to determine that because of poor security practices and poor authentication on these automated car washes that a malicious ha- attacker could park outside of your gas station and potentially damage cars or trap occupants inside <laughs> and my favorite line from the article said uh, once they got into the system uh, the researcher said that they had the ability to cause the car wash to strike the occupant. And I'm not even sure how that works, but the logistics fascinate me. Yes, Progo. I don't believe that the car wash goes down 
when it doesn't have an internet connection. But if you are connected to it, you can change no. the programming. But I do have a story um, about, have you ever heard of the company called Gig Car? Gig Car. No, no, I have not. Uh, yeah, rental cars, um, in- internet connected rental cars by an app. And uh, this particular one, uh, there was a, a tech reporter named Carrie Paul who wrote this story. Uh, but she was using gig car for a while and would rent a car and it, it's short-term car rentals, uh, in the city. But the way that apparently that gig car implemented this was that every 24 hours, their car will ping a cell signal or cell tower in order to check for software updates and check in and say, Hey, the car is in the, and of course, send the location. So if you're planning on going on the lamb in one of these cars, then your, your no. location will be in a database. Uh, but apparently uh, she decided that she was going to take a trip into the mountains where there's poor cell signal. And when the car decided several hours later to ping the tower, there was no cell signal. It could not get an update. It could not authenticate. It could not verify that the person had paid for an extra N hours worth of time on the car. So what does the car do? It Stop. shuts down on the side of the road. What was it? Okay. And so you what, what, it didn't stop while driving it, right? Was it like you had to stop and park and I then it got confused? I don't have that information. I, as, I don't know. The, it just said it eventually stopped. And I don't know if that means that they parked it or it. I, I'm not sure. You're on the expressway but, doing 80. <laughs> <laughs> Cell signal. Well, Go on. I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if it's implemented that way. I wouldn't put it past the average Silicon Valley company to say, I'm sorry, but every 10 minutes, if we don't get a ping, we're just going to kill the engine. It could happen. I'm not sure that's how it happened here, but the, the distress that this particular tech reporter ended up in was that she had to call because it, uh, apparently by the ability to make this phone call, there was some cell service, just not enough for the car. Um, she had to call a tow service and get towed back to the city so that the car could find a cell signal and be willing to start back up. That's convenience. That is convenience. That's I'm, I'm so glad. And this, this is also one of the reasons why in, when I got my new car and it came with, and this, you know, almost 20 years ago, uh, it came with a really shiny system called OnStar, which allowed two-way communication through, uh, and I unplugged that shit right the fuck away. And, and no, no, my car does not need a connection to the internet. It needs a connection to the goddamn road. And I know, let's be honest, if you lived within viewing distance of one of those car washes, every time you saw somebody going in with a car you didn't like, you would just go in and hit stop. <laughs> yeah. I don't, and they're, they're, on the topic, on the topic of, of shit that shuts down when it, loses or whenever somebody you know shit that you purchase shuts down when somebody have have you ever heard of the uh an exercise company called flywheel no uh so flywheel is another silicon valley company that makes an exercise bike with an app that you can 
you get on the exercise bike and it connects to the internet and it offers such features as being able to cycle with somebody else via a screen on the device. So it effectively connects you by VoIP with somebody else who uses this and you can both be cycling in your own house and pretend like you're bicycling next to each other. By the way, quick hint, much cheaper option. Go buy a fucking bicycle and bike with somebody. But anyway. Well, sometimes um, it's like cold, like it is here. And you know what? I can see this. So put on a goddamn coat. This would be good, though, for kids that like video games, but aren't getting any exercise yeah. that you can have like racing games with you and your friends and you actually have to pedal to go faster. That could be interesting. Or kids would have a heart attack because they would be doing Maybe. it for hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, kids. Kids who are used to video games, uh, if, if they don't get out very often, then you need to ease them into this. But um, so Flywheel, apparently, uh, according to a patent suit by their biggest competitor, Peloton, uh, they stole that feature. And I don't know if they actually stole it, but a court decided that they did. Um, and they got sued for pretty much everything. So Flywheel is shutting down. Um, so. If you went out and purchased one of these things for $1,500 and have it in there, does that mean it reverts to being a normal exercise bike? No, because the pedals are locked if they don't have a server connection. No. So, no. what so, they okay. are saying. What? Okay. They, they, are they providing something to people to unlock this or nobody thought of this? That no, hey, We might well, go out no, of business. What, what they're doing. No, what they are doing is they are providing a coupon for a discount for people to buy a Peloton bike, their competitor. Wow. That would piss me off <laughs> a lot. I'm telling you, I'm telling you normal physical everyday objects do not require an internet connection to function. And if you go buy something that shuts down without an internet connection, it will eventually be shut down. Uh, this, this doesn't matter if it's your car, if it's your car wash, if it's your exercise bike, if it's your your wrist strap, uh, or if it's your online Steam games collection, if somebody else has the ability to reach into your purchases and disable or shut them off and make them not, then it's not yours. You don't own it. You wasted your money. And all you got was a temporary license to use it as long as you keep your corporate overlords happy. Buy real shit. I see an opportunity here, though, for somebody to figure out what you need locally, because you can, you know, you can spoof the IP. So you, all you have to do is then uh, forward, you know, the, the phoning home of that device. You just need to send it to someplace on one of your own computers that can run a little program. Oh, no, 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 you, you can't. That violates the DMCA. You could never. <laughs> well, you could. Uh, I don't think the company's going <laughs> to come after you for DMCA too. violations once they're gone. Well, I, the, their competitor might be like, no, you got this coupon. You need to buy our bike now. So, yeah, don't our, buy our bikes. lawyers worked very hard to sue that other company out of business. How dare you use the thing that you bought? And uh, California, they're not after this. I mean, they seem like the type or, or do they have to have like warning labels now on things like purchasing. This means it could become junk in any minute. I don't know. I, I as far as I'm aware, exercise bikes are known to cause cancer in the state of California. Well, everything fresh air has been known. Even fresh air has been known to cause cancer in California. If they could find any fresh air, that I'm not sure. But with that said, 
We'd like to thank everybody for listening to Grumpy Old Beds. This is episode 51. So is this the first real episode? You said that 50 was going to be through beta. So does that mean we're well on our way to being a real podcast now? I'll let you know if I plan on doing a real episode. <laughs> Anytime. Um, we appreciate everybody listening. We do work on the value for value model that we learned from our friends on the No Agenda podcast, the best show in the universe. And today... I think this is breaking new ground. We have three executive producers today. We have Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous. I saw you in the troll room, so I don't know why you're anonymous, but that's okay. You can be anonymous. That's one thing. We've never had anybody ask for that before. But if you can, I be anonymous too. You could, you, well, not anymore. I want to be the anonymous host on Grumpy Old Ben's. Well, you, we can call you that from now on, but I think the secret's probably already out from people that have heard your voice. Shit. Unless you can get that Larry filter. I mean, I know we were talking before the show. Sir <laughs> Bemrose was willing yeah, to pay to, big money. So, somebody out there. Yeah. Somebody out there who makes deep fakes. I'm going to need a, a filter that automatically changes my voice to sound as good as Larry. On the fly, though. This can't be in post processing. We need this real time. So, yeah, that would be if you because can. I want to use it with my wife. See if it helps. <laughs> You're just, you just have to start like wearing I mean, I don't know. Is it like the old smokers box you'd have to like put up to your throat? Uh, how are you implementing this? Is this like some kind of Borg type uh, thing you'd have to I put? Don't know. I don't know. But if it requires surgery, then then I might have to opt out. Yeah. Yeah. So if anybody has that, that that product, feel free. But if anybody, if you want your donations to be anonymous, just send us a note and ask for that. We are more than willing to hide your true identity when you donate to the grumpy old Ben show so anonymous thank you and we also have keith von dyke who is a monthly donor we really really appreciate that and our buddy cold acid who is always has something to say usually in no agenda social which i never have up during the show usually you are following that one and uh cold acid is uh is, is, there's always one in every crowd we we hear him on the no agenda show he's always in the troll room uh, there's there's more than one in this crowd we've got a great crowd it's it, we're overachievers i can assure you yes and we appreciate everybody that's listening the best thing you can do well i mean beyond giving a little value back is to subscribe to the show you can get all of the options at grumpyoldbens.com whether you use an apple device an android device you want it emailed stitcher whatever you want to do you can get the subscription so you never miss an episode it can even be emailed to you if you want to be pseudo off the grid i mean you have to kind of be connected then too to get the bits for the mp3 and uh, if you could do a review on one of those sites and spread the word tell people grumpy old bens it's not just for tech heads we're not a political show we're not really a tech show i don't even really know what we are we, we maybe we're harder to we're, define we're, than we're uh, Nick the Rat. Show. what are we we're barely a show. We're barely a show. We've only got 51 episodes, but we talk a lot in each and every one of them. So we're trying to catch up. We're trying to make up ground yes. and we appreciate everybody that is listening and everybody that's turned a friend or 12 on to grumpy old beds. Is there anything else that we need to uh, discuss before we head out here today? Oh, I'm certain there is, but let's leave it hanging. Well, you, you uh, let's see. Fletcher. Fletcher says, mail me a cassette of GOB. I'm sorry, Fletcher, but, um, we we cassettes are old uh, that nobody uses those anymore however if you get on our mailing list we can include you in the first pressing of our vinyl yeah well you can still do that although it's harder now that the one company that makes lacquers at the united states burned to the ground 
And if you want more and, on that and story, you can hear all about that on on Random Thoughts episode sixty seven. It's getting now oh, seventy or so, uh, seventy one, maybe. We're we're getting up there on, on Random Thoughts. But yeah, yes. we talk about that, and then we talk about bootlegs. Random Thoughts did a great episode recently where I learned more about vinyl than I would have ever cared to know. See, and it, but cassettes still do exist. There's another podcast called Tell Them Steve Dave, which is huge. They've got thousands of people on their Patreon. One of the things they sent out was a cassette tape. And if you're seeing the fans that are posting pictures of, I got the cassette tape, but um, is there anywhere you could listen to this content online? Because I don't have a cassette player. So I'm wondering if that was really a good promotion or not. I mean, if you uh, want Grumpy Old Ben's on cassette. com. Yeah. If you, want, if you want Grumpy Old Ben's on cassette, I mean, demand it. Ryan at GrumpyOldBenz.com, Darren at GrumpyOldBenz.com. Do you want it on CD? Do you want it on vinyl? Do you want to pay for those formats? I mean, hey, we're willing to listen. But with that said, until next time, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the grass ain't growing, so I don't need anything to cut it. And from America's left coast, which is known to the state of California to cause cancer, I'm Ryan Bemrose.